Our reading this evening is 1 Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Kerith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Kerith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel, that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah." After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house And delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now, in these last days, he has spoken to us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
We need to know a little bit of context before we dive into this story of Ahab and Elijah. Elijah appears and speaks to Ahab these words of judgment, but Elijah really seems to come out of nowhere. He just appears one day, Elijah of Tishba, there he is, speaking a word of judgment to Ahab. Who is Ahab? He was a king among the kings of Israel, one in a long line of kings who were especially wicked. In fact, just the chapter before, in 1 Kings chapter 16, it says that no one was as wicked as Ahab was. Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him, and there had been some wicked kings before him. The line goes back all the way to Solomon and David and Saul, and along the way, that line of kings of Israel grew more and more wicked, each doing what was right in his own eyes, building altars to false gods, and Ahab compounded things with this, that he married that wicked woman Jezebel a Sidonian woman, a woman from the land of Sidon, and she corrupted him even more. Wicked King Ahab was the worst, and he was leading God's people astray, and so God sent Elijah to him. And you heard the words of judgment that Elijah spoke, a harsh judgment. There's not going to be any rain until I say so. I wonder what Ahab thought Here, Elijah appears out of nowhere, it seems, and then promptly disappears. I wonder if Ahab just forgot about it altogether in that moment. There are, of course, people who say strange things every now and again, people who show up out of nowhere uttering strange prophecies, and so maybe Ahab just wrote it off for that moment, kind of like King Pharaoh of Egypt wrote off the miracles of Moses and Aaron. Oh, those are things my magicians can do turning a staff into a snake or water into blood. That's no big deal. I'll write you off for a while and see how Pharaoh wrote off Moses and Aaron, plague after plague after plague. Pharaoh thought, surely this is going to turn around. Surely this isn't the finger of God. Even when his magicians said, we should give up, Pharaoh. This God is greater than our gods. Even then, Pharaoh was in denial. I wonder how long Ahab was in denial. As the days went by and there was no rain, as the days went by and the ground dried up and the crops withered, day after day and month after month and year after year, how long did it take before Ahab remembered that Elijah had come to him and spoken a word of judgment to him and it happened just as Elijah had said? How long do you think it took before Ahab realized it? How long does it take us to realize that the word of God always comes true? when he speaks it to us, that though we might imagine for a moment that maybe there's a chance it won't happen, maybe it won't actually come to fruition, it always does. The word of the Lord never fails. And that is why it was an even greater tragedy that Elijah left the land of Israel. There was a famine on account of this drought. There was no rain falling from heaven. There was no fruit coming from the ground, but an even greater famine was in store for them because the prophet left. God said to Elijah, I want you to go across the Jordan River, out of the land of Israel, away from this people. And when the prophet leaves, so does God's word. Not just a famine being a lack of food, but a famine of hearing God's word. Ahab certainly didn't notice that. 
He might have noticed the famine growing as the crops withered, but he certainly didn't notice that God's word was absent. He loved it, in fact. Nice to have that guy gone, that troubler of Israel, as he will call him later. Nice to be without that word of God. Elijah was gone, and notice, notice how Elijah behaves. He obeys God, and this is what sets him apart from everyone else. Ahab, doing what's right in his own eyes. The people of Israel, oppressing the poor, worshiping false gods, disobeying God. But when the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and God says, Okay, leave Israel and go and sit by that brook in Kareth, and I will appoint the ravens to feed you, what does Elijah do? He doesn't scratch his head and wonder about these strange instructions. He doesn't think to himself, ravens, really, bringing me bread and meat. Instead, what does it say? He up and went. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. No matter how bizarre it seemed, out of the promised land to a brook, fed by ravens, this obedience is essential. And this sets the stage for today's lesson about Elijah. Elijah is going to show us how to pray, and he's going to show us that we should pray fervently. But notice that it starts with this. His prayers start with this, listening. He listens and he obeys. He hears the word of the Lord and then he does as God told him to do. He listens to God's voice and then he follows God's command. That's the starting place, including giving this word of judgment to Ahab. He could only have done that if he was following God's command. Imagine what it would be like to pray against your land, against your country, against your state, your your community. Imagine what it would be like to pray against them that God would cause there to be no rain to fall for years and years on end. Devastating for the land, but for you as well. This was going to be something that Elijah also suffered. This was not a prayer to be taken lightly, a famine and a drought. How will he fare if there is no food? How will he survive if there's no water to drink? He only could have done it if he was trusting in God, if he was listening to God's command and obeying his word to call the wicked to account. Elijah knew because he believed, he knew that it was not good for the land to have a king like Ahab and for everyone to do what was right in their own eyes. He knew that the best thing, the only thing that could save anybody is if the wicked wicked were brought to account, if the Lord showed them the error of their ways and turned them around. And so that, that is what Elijah prays for. Elijah prays that God would cause the rain to stop, and lo and behold, it happens. He petitions God to bring a famine on the land, and God listens to him. There he sits by the brook Kareth, and the days go by, and eventually the brook dries up, because there was no rain in the land. St. James points out just how remarkable this is. It's easy to gloss it over and to look through it, but see what James says about Elijah. He starts with some instructions. He says, you all, you Christians, should confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power while it is working. And then to prove his point, 
James goes on and he says, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Elijah, a man just like you and me. Elijah, a man who prayed, knowing what was good, what would help his people, what would save his people. And then the brook dried up, and there Elijah sat, suffering the consequences of his prayer. But God intended to feed Elijah, and so he prepared this widow for him. He sent him to Zarephath, a town in the land of Sidon. And here, the irony of God, his jokes abound. It was that wicked queen Jezebel from the land of Sidon who was suffering from a famine back in Israel, that promised land, that place that was to be flowing with milk and honey. There, the wicked queen Jezebel, who had all the power and all of the wealth and everything she needed at her disposal, she was suffering a famine. But this lowly widow in her homeland, in the land of Sidon, she's the one who receives the prophet. And it turns out that wherever Elijah goes, wherever the word of the Lord goes, there is abundance. There is health. There is food. There is plenty. Just like when Jesus comes to the Samaritan woman at the well and asks for a drink of water, Elijah comes bringing abundance with him. That woman at the well says, you've got nothing to draw from this well with. You don't have a bucket. You don't have a cup. How can you give me living water, as Jesus claims he's going to give to her? Well, see here how Elijah comes, bringing nothing except the word of the Lord. And the oil never runs out, and the flour never runs out. The bread is plenty, never too little. Wherever Elijah goes, wherever the word of the Lord goes, there is abundance. And notice how it precedes anyone asking. That widow never asked for anything. She was preparing her last meal, the meal for her and her son. We're going to eat it and we're going to die. And just like God says, I send my word to people who never even thought to ask for me. Before they ask, I am ready to answer. Before they know their need, I am ready to hear their prayers I've prepared it all for them. Elijah is there with that widow and Zarephath while Ahab and Jezebel are certainly wringing their hands, wondering how they're going to solve this problem. Of course they can't. You can be the most powerful king in the world, the most powerful queen in the world, and you can't do a single thing about a drought or a famine. Much less can you do anything at all when you don't have God's word. There they sat back in the land that should have been flowing with milk and honey. And here, Elijah sat with this woman, and all was well. That is, until this grievous test came along, this test of God's mercy. God's mercy seemed to be going with Elijah. Wherever he went, God's mercy also went until that widow's son died. And now it is a test of God's mercy against the most serious of foes. Notice how for her it is sin and death. You prophet, you came to feed me and my son. Why? Just to bring my sin to remembrance? To make it hurt even more when he died? He could have died before and I wouldn't have, would never have thought anything of it. We were both going to die together. But now you saved him. Why? Just to take him from me again? This test in the face of sin and death, it is the most serious of tests for God's mercy. 
and for the word of God. Where is the abundance now? And so Elijah prays. And he shows us how to pray. Fervently. Even in the face of something quite impossible, he prays fervently. Having listened to the word of the Lord, having heard God's promises, Elijah prays. And he prays, and he prays. And did you hear what happened? The Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. See how things have flipped around. Elijah began by listening to the voice of the Lord, and lo and behold, now the Lord is listening to the voice of Elijah. And he's a man just like you and me. He is, of course, a remarkable man. His story goes on, and you know that he gets swept up into heaven with a chariot engulfed in flames. He is one of two people in the Bible who, we're told, never died. He and Enoch didn't die a natural death. He's a remarkable man. He shows up on the Mount of Transfiguration next to Moses, seeing Jesus in all his glory. He is, in some sense, come back when John the Baptist is preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. A remarkable man, but remember what James said. He's a man with a nature just like yours and mine. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Where does that righteousness come from? What is it that makes your prayers effective? It's faith in the promises of God. It's the word of the Lord that you hear and take to heart. Pray fervently and start with this. Listen and obey. Your God is the God of Elijah, who listens to the voice of those who cry to him. He is a God who bends his ear to hear your every plea, who is waiting, who is just waiting for you to ask, and to ask again, and to ask more earnestly, and to insist and never give up. Your God is the God of Elijah, who sends his word all over the place, and wherever it goes, there is mercy and abundance, a God gracious and merciful and slow to anger and full of steadfast love. He is ready to pour out his mercy on the world, He's ready to pour it out on you and on everyone in your lives who you know need his mercy. The floodgates of heaven are ready to open with God's abundance. And all that is lacking, all that is lacking is our prayers. Let us learn to be like Elijah. It doesn't take anything miraculous in kind of like a spectacular way. It just takes this miracle, which God has already worked in your hearts. He's given you his spirit by which you can cry out to him as a dear father who loves dear children. He's given you faith to trust in impossible promises, not to believe what your eyes can see or what you can taste and smell and touch, but to believe what God has said. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everything will be granted to you in the name of Jesus. Pray in his name. Today, Elijah teaches us to pray fervently, and he teaches us that we've got to start by listening and obeying. And I think there's enough to do there to keep us busy our whole lives long, but there's much more, much more for us to learn from Elijah. So come back next week for more of the story. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.